0: Welcome to Loving That Sports Talk with your host, James Loving. If you're looking for a fast-paced show that covers football and so much more, this is the place to be. Now, here's your host, formerly of the Philadelphia Eagles, James Loving. This
1: is James Loving, your host of Loving That Sports Talk, co-hosting with
2: me Chris. You there? Oh, I'm here and I'm so excited. You know, preseason my is my very a start. Yeah, things are going good. We got a great guest. I'm ready.
1: I'm excited. I finally got somebody on my side of the ball to play.
2: No defense. You got offense.
1: Right. Well I want to (laughs) uh, introduce our guest, Chris, former NFL player Herb Donaldson. How you doing, Herb? I'm doing all
3: right, man. Glad to be on the show.
1: Hey, well, I told Chris we appreciate you taking the time out to be on the show. Well, Herb, mm-hmm. I'd like to start off with our listeners out there. Just, you know, give a little information about you, where you played college, where you found, where you played in pro, even though, you know, we got that. We're going to talk more about that, but and what position, Herb? Uh, well,
3: I went to Western Illinois University, uh, played running back, bounced around the league for a few years. I started out with uh, New Orleans Saints in 09, and I went to Dallas for a while, and I finished
1: up in Tennessee my last two years. Well, Herb, I love it, because every guest we be having on be like uh, defensive players and all like that, you know, <laughs> so get us somebody on the other side. We know what it's about, right, Herb? <laughs> <laughs> hey,
3: it's all about putting it in the end zone, man. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, I'm going to start. I'm going to jump on you. Uh, I'm excited, you know. Uh, Western Illinois, that's out there where, um, you know, I'm from Chicago, so that was one of the schools okay, okay. that when I was coming, right was recruiting me and I wanted to go there so bad, but great for myself. But how was that plan there? You know what? Honestly, I, I had a great time playing there. I had uh, some great
3: coaches. And, I mean, I don't know if you ever been to Western, but <laughs> we, we are one of them one road. you know what I'm saying, town, so it was a little easy mm-hmm. to stay focused, you know what I mean, because when you wanted to go out, so you, you, we had, like, two boys in Walmart, so... uh That made focusing on on the task at hand a little easier. But, um, like I said, I had some great coaches. uh, Don Patterson was my head coach, and he was uh, from that Hayden Fry coaching tree out of Iowa. So, you know, they had a lot of successful coaches. They coached a lot of successful NFL players. And uh, Ronnie Harmon was my position coach when I originally signed, and he played for, like, 12 years uh, out in San Diego and Buffalo. So, I had a wealth of knowledge, and... uh. I remember on my recruiting trip. My coach, he said, "I'm not going to teach you what it takes to be a good college back. I'm going to teach you what it takes to get to the post. So that's what you know. Of course, I wanted to go get me a degree too. I finished that up, but he definitely had my my mind wrapped around making it to the next level. And I was fortunate enough to stay healthy, eligible, and make enough plays to get to the NFL.
2: You, you, well, You
1: have some so oh, okay.
2: so, so Herb. So like, um let, 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 let's focus on your college cuz you know you've kind of yeah. glossed over a little bit about what you did but there's a lot more there's a lot more that our listeners would like to hear and I was I was very thrilled to hear what what you what what, what you obtained while you were there. So Herb, I understand back. that you that there there's there's two uh, your senior year. Um there are two number one records or, or ranks that that you that you had. You know, the first mm-hmm. one was you, for rushing. You know, yard, yards per game per per per, uh, per game, and you had one hundred and sixty-two point one eight yards per game, which would put you in first place of nationally of all college players, Division One. Second one was scoring. You had twelve points per game. You know, and that's that's not easy to do.
3: Yeah, it was definitely uh, a really good senior year. I wish we could have made it to the playoff before uh, before the BCS ended and they got into the the four team playoff. Now, like the one double A, right? It's a legit playoff, and that, that's the big thing. I think we finished stuff either seven and four, or six and five, but we we uh, ended up on the short end of the stick my senior year. But yeah, personally, individually, I guess I uh, I, I finished really strong. Ended up uh, breaking our uh, a guy the guy that was the man when I first got to college, the guy by the name of Travis Glasper, he had actually set uh, our school record, and I was fortunate enough to break both the school and the conference record my senior year. So uh, it was a really good year, and we were definitely uh, – uh, we had a young quarterback, so we we were toting the to ball a lot. I got a lot of carries, too. So, uh, yeah, we we definitely were a, a run-first-oriented team, and uh, we got some wins, but not enough to get us in the playoffs. But, yeah, personally – I did my
2: thing for sure. Yeah, no no and, or, no. You you got to give yourself credit because just because he might have been young, you were you you did your, you know, obviously you did your thing. And you know, you you proved yourself time and time again in in that in in your your four years cuz you accumulated I found out your uh, career uh, yardage was over 4000 yards in your in in the four years you played.
3: Yeah, now uh, like I said, we we had a guy that I think yeah when I was a freshman I redshirted and it, you know kind of in my mind I was like I don't I didn't see it as a problem because one it gave me one year ahead of the game uh, getting acclimated to the college life you know taking those fifteen hours worth of classes each semester so I was going to be on track to graduate and uh, also I got to just sit behind and watch somebody that was good at it because the guy that was the man Travis he um. He was our starter. He was only a junior, and he had just ran for like either thirteen or 1,400 yards the year before. So he was somebody that knew the system, was successful at it, and somebody I could learn from. So, like I said, I got to sit back those first two years, my uh, true freshman year and then my redshirt freshman year, and just watch. Even my mm-hmm. first year playing, I, I want to say maybe I had like 50 yards rushing for the entire season. So those were I wouldn't call those a watch because, again, I was getting myself acclimated school-wise where I knew I was going to graduate on time. And I was learning from somebody that was very successful. So, uh, but yeah, when I got the ball rolling and and it was my turn to kind of take the reins, yeah, my sophomore through senior seasons, I, I put up some really good numbers. And uh, we had some really good linemen because that was a big thing too. Is as good as I was with the ball in my hand. We had some guys plowing plowing some holes, so I wasn't I wasn't <laughs> breaking a lot of tackles in the backfield. But uh, yeah, we we had a we had a pretty good system and some really good linemen up in front of me.
2: Nice. It, so the, the last oh, thing I want to points. bring up, though, has to do with you placed third nationally in the Walter Payton Award voting. Now that that's that's got to be very, you know, very impressive. Very you know, you know, because Walter Payton's no, you know, everyone loved the man, <laughs> you know, yeah. and and for you to have come third in voting that year, coming from from the school you did.
3: That's you know give yourself some props. Yeah, well you, you know that's that's our that's our in one double A. But uh yeah no you know what and the, the the cool thing about it was I did so well individually. The two guys that I finished behind, those two played in the national championship. So and we we were, unfortunately we didn't make it to the playoffs. So that was how good we did as an offense and as a one game as me personally to get me to to finish third place because I, I want to say it was it was Armani from um, Appalachian, and they were just killing people back when I was in college, and uh, I can't remember the other quarterback's name. I think it was a guy from Villanova, maybe, but those two quarterbacks were the best player on the two best teams in the country, so for me to get mentioned in that light and to be third and voting against those two, that was pretty, you know, something to, not something to hang my hat on, but something to appreciate, you know, down the road, because honestly, my biggest thing was uh, <laughs> he's still playing, but both of us were 1AA guys. Um, Rashad Jennings, I, think. Okay. I don't know if he's still with the Giants, but, yeah, that was – it was me and him was <clears> – <throat> we were the two running backs for one double A, that we were the cream of the crop. So I always wanted uh, – <clears throat> did I do better than him this week? What did he do against, you know, whatever the big yeah. team he played, you know, in the Division 1 A, the big team? So I, I kept track more of him, comparing my stats and what I did to him more so than the Armani Edwards, you know what I'm saying, the, the guys, the, the quarterback.
1: So. hmm Hey Herb, I had two two points yeah, I'd like Herb. to make with you. One was you spoke about um Hayden Fry, you know. I had force enough to play against him well, he was coaching at Iowa, we played him in the holiday bowl game, so I already know what you are mm-hmm. talking about with him. Great coach. You know. And then mm-hmm. two you say Ronnie Harmon. Didn't he play for Iowa? Herb? am I
3: right? Yeah, he did. Yeah. And that was yeah. the thing, all yeah. those I think my the my offensive coordinator was the tight ends coach. My head coach, John right. Patterson, he was the – maybe he was the OC or something. But everybody – this was a pretty much a, all of the coaches. The older coaches were all, like, for real position coaches and coordinators at Iowa. And then a lot of our position coaches were former Iowa players. So, right. yeah, Harmon, he went but, to Iowa. Went,
0: yeah, I think I he – I'm pretty
3: sure he got drafted in the first round of Buffalo and then he ended up in uh, San Diego for the majority of his career. But, yeah, we had a lot of right.
1: – a lot, a lot of our stories were Iowa stories. So, you know. <laughs> my, my second point, um, like Chris was saying, you did amazing things that I would love for you. It ain't you bragging on it, but you worked hard to, to achieve that. You know, so get that out there, what you've done. We like to hear that. Everybody likes it, but my second thing, I'd like to explain to people, because a lot of people don't understand. They see football on TV, they're thinking, okay, blah, blah, blah. Tell them how hard and what you to make an NFL team. Well, I mean, you know, well, you got to look at it as I remember
3: <laughs> back back when, when she, I know you got years on me, but when I was coming out, we had a two-day draft, the uh, first three rounds Saturday, uh, the last four on Sunday. So, you know, I'm hoping to get drafted uh, on the second day. One of my teammates, friend of mine, he got drafted one of the, like, number 69 real early in the, uh, of the first or the third round on the uh, second day. So I'm hoping, you know, I'm like, okay things calling and, you know, a little anxiety because I, I, if you draft me, hey, I'm happy. I get to say that I was drafted, but I, I always felt like I would make it. But with all the accolades I had, with all the records I had, I was still an undrafted guy and that's, that's not a knock on my career or how hard I worked. That's just how hard it is to get there. So with me leading the nation and scoring, rushing yards per game, I still was, not good enough to get drafted. It might have been 255 or whatever, however many picks. And like I said, you can't. Some people can say, "Oh, well, I don't want to do it." Regardless of how you get to the NFL, man, it's a point oh whatever percent to, to actually make it to the NFL. So you just gotta acknowledge that this is a a great opportunity that you, very few, will ever get the chance. Whether you're on a two-day contract in a rookie mini camp. Well, you make it 10 years and you a vet. It's it's something that you got to appreciate, enjoy, and respect for the business that it is.
0: Correct.
1: Well, this is what we're going to do. We have to take a break. But when we come back, we'll hear a little bit more from um, my former NFL player, Herb Donaldson. We'll be right back.
0: Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports.
4: Want to experience football from the perspective of two former players who also have coaching experience?
0: You're hooked up with Loving That Sports Talk. James Loving and his guests want to hear it from you. Call us at 1 888 346 9144. That's 888 346 9144. Or drop an email to Talk at yahoo.com. Now, back to the show. This is James Loving, your host for Loving That Sports Talk, co host and G. That. I'm here,
2: James.
1: Finally got some out of the ball that knows what it is. to <laughs> <laughs> the rock, right, Herb?
2: Oh, yes, you better I be careful! I'm gonna throw a question at you guys,
1: so you're not gonna <laughs> like my question. Well, Herb, I got another. You spoke about something that you know that's uh, just a little bit more. I want you to talk about because I was in that same boat. You were sitting there waiting for the draft, you know. Everybody yeah. said, Oh, you gonna get drafted?" And all, and there's so many people, but you know, just explain how you know. It ain't disappointing, but you know, you know, there's great players out there, right?
3: Yeah, for sure. And if, you know, I remember uh, just a guy. You no, know, I, I can't remember his name, but he played safety at Oklahoma, and uh, you know, they had the ESPN cameras all in his house. To, you know, with the last few picks, and the guy to get drafted. And my mom was, my mom upset. She want her baby to get drafted. and You know, I understood, but I'm like, yeah, this dude went to Oklahoma. He all this, all that, big school. He on TV every Saturday, and he didn't get drafted. So, the fact that I even had a realistic chance is, you know, while it's disappointing, it's something to say, hey, you know, I was in the top 300 picks. I just wasn't in the top 250. You know what I mean? So it is what it is. And I was a, when I I was like a preferred uh, free agent or whatever it's called, priority free agent. That's what it's called. But you know, like I said, it's one of them things where you gotta you gotta appreciate that you even thought of in that breath. Like hey, you was good enough to. to get a call. I never, when I, uh, my phone started ringing off the hook as soon as the draft was over. Like I said, a couple of teams called me during the draft and I had some long conversations. I'm like, well, just call me when you're ready to pick me. But, you know, when the draft was over, that's when everybody's calling. And I actually signed with the, Saints. I had had no contact with the Saints person. My agent had, but I never talked to them personally. And, um, Sean Payton actually called me. Like, literally, I'm like, hello, it's 504 of them. I don't know like I said, I just hadn't talked to them, so I was like, they were the last team in my mind. But it was actually Sean Payton calling him. It was funny because he was talking smack because he went to Eastern Illinois, so he was talking all this about what he used to do to Western and blah, blah, blah. So that was fun, yeah. the little banter between the Western and Eastern, but the fact that the head coach found it necessary to call me and offer me the opportunity, I was all in, you know, as far as going,
1: signing with the Saints. Right. He did go to Eastern Illinois. You're right. Mm. <laughs>
2: I didn't realize that he, yeah, he uh, was there.
3: Yeah, he broke all of the, uh, he set the records that Tony Romo broke.
1: So, yeah, yeah. small world. Yeah,
2: it is. <laughs> well, that, that's, that's yeah. For... All right, so I i told you I was going to bring up a question. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so you guys have been talking about offense, but, hey, I've said time and time again that defense wins games. And apparently the Minnesota Vikings, they've heard me. They listened to, listen to what I said. <laughs> they went on a spending spree this past year and committed $103 million in guarantee money to lock down three key defensive players. Now, uh, Basically, their defense should be spectacular in this season. Well, which, which, What's your opinion? Herb, yeah, yep, what's ahead. your opinion on this one?
3: Oh, well, you know what? I'm a Cowboy fan. And the Giants—they did no. the exact same thing. They did the exact same thing last year, and they got them a wild card and a first round exit. They signed Olivier uh, Vernon, the big D tackle from the Jets, and they signed um, Jack Rapids from St. Louis when, when they were still with the Rams. Uh, so I mean, it's the same thing. I don't, I don't, I wouldn't say that the spending spree gets you championships, but I understand. But I mean, honestly, if defense wins championships, they got lit up on on the Giants. And uh, so, so I, I think it's more so about having a well-rounded roster than a, than a defense-heavy loaded or offense-heavy loaded. Because I like the Saint. Like I, I wasn't a big Saints fan until I played for them, But the Saints always have a great offense, but the defense is usually lacking because all the money's being spent on the offense, and right. they, they tried to find a couple of uh, short-term fixes by signing some some big free agents on defense, and it didn't work. So I think it's more about being. I hate to admit, because I'm a I'm a St. Louis guy. I still feel the Patriots cheated us, but the the Patriots are just so well rounded. You know, they sometimes they can pass it 50 times, sometimes they can run it 30 times. The defense always shows up. It not uh, They don't have a 50 million dollar wide receiver. They don't have a 60 million dollar cornerback. They just have a really well rounded roster, and I think that's that's
1: the most important. Hey Herb, yes sir. I never cut a guest mic in my whole life. Eight years on the show, <laughs> you almost got your mic cut when you said you're a cowboy fan. America's <laughs> team, oh, man. <I'm> man. <laughs> you almost—you yeah. know—I hate those no cowboys. Come on. <laughs> and, I, and, and her, her it, how you did you what?
2: become a Cowboys fan? Coming from where? Where you? Where you? Where you've lived? How did you become? Is it so, so cool. because they're on TV? What they were America's mean? team. What was
3: it? Yeah, we didn't we didn't have a team, you know, until ninety five, ninety six when the Rams y'all here. So you know, I, I like the Cowboys. They had uh, they had Michael Irving, they had Emmitt Smith, and uh, I, it may, maybe it was that, you know, their magic team. I'm a kid, so I'm not recognizing they're playing primetime every week and other teams don't.
1: But Boy, my dad that.
3: was a big Steelers fan, and I was anti whatever he liked. He was a big Lakers fan and a big Steelers <laughs> fan, so I did not like the Lakers and I didn't like the Steelers, so.
1: That was oh, a while. Wow. I was liking you. But do that, Eric. Talk about I <laughs> wasn't at the Cowboy organization. Did Jerry Jones take care of that. the
3: player? He was the best owner I ever had. Mr. Benson was all of them. I'm sorry. we we talking about good guys regardless. but Jerry Jones was so much hands-on, and that might have been because he was the GM, but you would see him everywhere. He didn't mind having a conversation with anybody. And you, you just didn't see Mr. Benson. With uh, with the Saints, you didn't see him as often. You know what I mean? He wasn't as hands-on, and he was a little older as well. But uh, but Adam, but well, he would come down. But he was really old. But he would come. He showed us some love too. But Jerry Jones have a conversation with you about anything. So uh, I definitely respected that and appreciated that because this guy is literally a walking billionaire, and he'll come have a conversation with you about anything. So,
1: but uh, that has to be me. like definitely an experience. That has to mean a lot to the players, too, don't it? To see the owner. Yeah, for sure. He talks to everybody. Like I said,
3: the fact that it wasn't my first experience, because Mickey Loomis used to come talk to us all the time, but he was just the GM. Jerry Jones is larger than yeah. life. And you, you know what I mean? For him to come talk to uh, the fourth running back on the roster, you know what I mean? Like, that's a big deal.
1: Right. But, uh, yeah. To know, the to Cowboys, know your name.
2: I can't
3: speak for him. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But uh, playing for the Cowboys, you get a lot of love. Whether you, I, I remember, I was out in California, and like I said, I'm a fourth, fifth guy. I'm Mister Mr., Mister 54 on the roster. I'm just trying to hang on and get some checks. And people just, man, let me get an autograph. He played the Cowboys, How's Jerry Jones, How the Stadium, How Jason Whitney. So uh, that's that's different. That is that is real fandom when you when you play for them.
2: Yeah, we no, you know, we, we talked about, about this Cowboys a bit though, anymore. where where the Cowboys <laughs> are pretty much in the spotlight, you know, almost more so than than other teams, you know, because of the legacy that the that the Cowboys hold. Did Did you feel that when you were there? Oh, uh, I mean, for sure it was. You know what?
3: Like just just period. Like being that I, I was a I was a guy that got shuffled around on rosters a lot, going even though the Cowboys weren't. The most successful team, when, whenever one of us got released, we would always end up on the other team because we it was like we had the juice. Even though they weren't the best team, even though they didn't, hadn't won a Super Bowl in 15 years at that point, it was still a big deal to play for Dallas. When I got cut from Tennessee, it wasn't a big deal. Nobody was calling, like, what's up with Tennessee's roster. But with Dallas, when I got released, I got released the camp was two thousand and ten, and like everybody that got released, everybody got picked up because all of our preseason games were on TV. This was before they aired every game like they do now on NFL Network. Everybody knew who we were, and everybody wanted to sign us. So it, it's
1: legit. Look- you guys hear me?
2: Yes.
1: We're gonna okay. take a break, and then we come back. We, I guess, Chris, we gotta finish talking with our guests. Is he a cowboy fan?
2: Oh, I'm I'm ready. I'm ready. He just ruined
1: ruined my day. I was all happy and now, (laughs) look (laughs) at him. We'll be right back.
0: Your internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports.
4: Want to experience football from the perspective of two former players who also have coaching experience? Tune in to Sports Info UM with Daryl Oliver and Sam Sword. We'll talk about the drafts, play-by-play, and even what's happening in the offseason.
0: Sports. You're hooked up with Loving That Sports Talk. James Loving and his guests want to hear it from you. Call us at 1 888 346 9144. That's 888 346 9144. Or drop an email to Talk at yahoo.com. Now, back to the show. This is James, co of Loving
1: That Sports Talk. Co host, you there,
2: Chris? I'm here, James.
1: And we got our guess herb you there? Yes, sir. Because have you ever like went out and ate something and you all start you see it on the menu and you're like, Oh man, Jim, man, great, great running back, running back. Then you get on there and they say something about cowboys and you're like, Man, I want that meal.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I've I've read things like that before happening.
1: <laughs> I just told them, Take my order back. Give me my check. Let me go. <laughs>
2: Well, go ahead, Chris. Go ahead. All right. All right. Let's, let's, let's turn the tables a little bit, a little bit, Herb. Let's, let's quit talking about the Cowboys so James can calm down. Uh, so, there are four explosive running backs that change teams in the offseason. They're Adrian Peterson, who's now with New Orleans Saints, Jamal Charles is with the Broncos, Marshawn Lynch is with the Raiders, and LeGarrett Blount is with the Eagles. What do you know? So, of these four, which do you see making the biggest impact for their new team? Herb, what do you think?
1: Ah, that's, that, that's a tough one. That, that's legit.
3: I think I it know. Would have to be between um, just because Lynch didn't play. You don't know. You know. You you don't know. The, the mystery is that, and it's to an extent, it's with AP too because AP didn't play last year after being injured. But he, he only played two or three games, right. so you don't know if by the time caught up with him, and the fact that Lynch literally did just take a hiatus like that, that's tough. But I think honestly, I, I'm a Saints fan. I think that. When they were the most successful in 0-9, they had three different bats that they just would run at you. You had Reggie coming in, Pierre coming in, Mike Bell coming in, and I think that they're going to be able to implement that again where if you just ask AP to do his job and pound the rock, I think that he's going to be very successful. But I don't know if it's going to be 1,500-yard uh, season successful. It might be 1,000 yards, but the Saints win more games because they're able to pound the ball instead of Drew dropping back 40, 50 times a game. So I think that, because I think Derrick Cole out west, they just make them a little better, but I think that AP, if he's able to show you what he did in 15, then he's a game changer for the Saints, while I think that the, the Raiders offense was already clicking. He, they had uh, Latavius Murray, who, who did a great job last one. I don't yes. think they really need Lynch to do much more than he did last year, to be honest.
2: So I'm, I, I just circled it. I, I circled his name, and come January, we're going to talk more about it. Just to see where you're at. <laughs>
3: yeah, I'm going that way. Yeah. <laughs> but you,
1: hey,
3: you got, uh, know, Adam you know, Philly Blunt might, he might, he might. I don't know if he's gonna push you over the top because that quarterback still is young. But I think that's a good fit for them. Him going out there.
1: What What do you think about Marshawn Lynch? You think it was a good fit for him to leave and brother the Raider?
3: Raiders? You know what? Bird. I mean. Yeah, I think that he did his thing, and uh, it wasn't like he had a bad year his last year in Seattle. So, uh, like I said, I, I just think that the Raiders' offense is doing nothing because they got so many young playmakers. It, it's pretty much I, – I don't think that they needed a, a Marshawn Lynch or they, they could have drafted somebody if they didn't get Lynch because that offense is really clicking. They got a really good offensive line. And uh, I, I think it's going to be a good fit for Lynch because they're going to be passed first. So when he gets the ball, the defense is going to be on their heels because they're ready to drop in the coverage for a pass. So I think it's a really good fit for him.
1: You know what, Herb? I played running back in high school in those years and broke my hip, broke my wrist. Running back is no joke because you always (laughs) going against 7 or 8, you know, blocking or, you know, receiver, you know, 1 or 2 or 3. But the hits you take, I mean, explain that.
3: Yeah, I mean, honestly, I'm not like a goals gym guy, but you got to build your body up because you're going to take a pound. You can't skip lifting because, like you said, it's it's literally 11 people that's trying to hit you every play. You got some corners, and that's what's funny. When you get to the NFL, I remember playing with uh, Cortland Finnegan, man. He was the littlest guy on the team, but he wanted a piece of you every time no matter what. But you going down, you going to run in there, He going to get a hit. And that's, and that's the way it is playing running back. Every time it's 11 people trying to hit you from 340 D tackles to 220 safeties with a 10-yard head start. So, you know, you got to really be ready for the physical pounding. And when I played, I was a physical back. I wasn't trying to outrun anybody. I was trying to... And then as much as they wanted to hit me, I wanted to hit them first. So they didn't want to hit me in the second quarter. They didn't want to hit me in the fourth quarter. Them, them arms that they sticking out, they turn into nubs because they don't really want that contact. So you got to be able to uh, take it. But I was much more into giving.
2: Hmm. Interesting. All right. So let's talk a little bit about training camp. You know, uh, uh, what, what's your opinion on this? Should the should the veterans risk injury by playing hard, or let the rookies and walk-ons go head to head for a chance to earn a spot on the fifty-three man roster?
1: Oh, well, you know they, they, That's kind of the way it plays out. Yeah, yes, sir. What was that? Okay. I wanted to answer this before you talk. I want to see what you say oh, after I, I say this. So, when All I was right. with Philly, um, they made the uh, rookies do everything. I, I remember Mike Quick on the sideline. He maybe ran one or two plays in practice. Was that the same for you? Go ahead. I, I want to see if you got. Well, you know what? It was different in each three teams that I
3: was with. I was with. Uh, the Saints O nine 9 camp, Cowboys 10 camp, and then um, I was in Tennessee for 11 and 12. And uh, it was much different. When I was a rookie in New Orleans, it was not uh-huh. what I'm talking about. It was literally, and and I had to ask a vet, I said, is it because I'm a rookie or is this the hardest thing that you ever done? He was like, yeah, this is the hardest camp I've ever been in in my life. And it was because people were walking around with uh, – What was it, 44 T-shirt? Yeah, Super Bowl 44. So they were walking around with 44 T-shirts. I didn't even know what it was. Like I was just trying to make the team. I was focused on the next day. And those vets, they were focused on the end goal. And when I say they competed, like, I remember early, one of the first days we put on full gear pants, shoulder pads, we had, and, and Peyton was notorious for this. He would just say, throw the script, first and goal from the two, goal line offense, goal line defense. I seen Reggie Bush get killed. I'm like, man, I ain't saying like this dude, that's Reggie Bush. Reggie Bush got a twenty five million dollar contract. And he just got smacked like he was a, a rookie free agent running back. So let me tighten up this gear <laughs> because it's on, like, and that and that's the way it was. We competed every day. At least once, every practice he, him and uh what's my guy's name? Uh, Williams, that uh the, the one the bounty Gate guy. They would just call plays yeah. against each other. We would just go, we would get, get to the 50 and he would call offensive plays, have his personnel and coach would call defensive plays. So I remember one of the first days we had double cat corners coming off. Like it was, we competed. This, we, we didn't stick to the script. We were about competing and getting better each day. So that was a little different. Now when I get to Dallas, it's kind of, you know, hey, let's let, Herb, get a bunch of carries, and you know, I was with Marion Barb and Barbara, Felix Jones. Yeah, they, they right. get two reps a piece, and then they out. So it, it was a little different where it was more scaled back. But I think that's what pushed the Saints to that Super Bowl in 09 was because we just competed so hard. It wasn't, nobody was resting on their laurels, and everybody was trying to get better. Great.
2: Interesting. Well, oh, that's. Uh it's kind of what i expected to hear cuz cause, cause that that's what the preseason is for is to is for the the rookies and all that to kind of show out cuz the veterans you know James you and i've talked about this multiple times about how the veterans know that they've already got their their spot locked down you know there's a few that are on the the line you know not sure but the ones that are that know that they're going to be there they got the contract behind them they really don't have to try hard so why not yeah, let the, I mean, the rookies do it?
1: It was like it was like you know the veterans you know like hey we know we, it was like you know we were, I was trying to get in every place i was like you uh, her make the team you
0: know
1: <laughs> yeah but uh, I kind of liked it you know because you know veterans weren't getting all the plays so we got to, the coach got to see us more you know so it, yeah. it was it was it was good but then I was like God they just standing there and we only. have – Busting our butt, you know, and they just got the helmet off over there talking, you know. Yeah, and
3: but you know what? When they uh, when they first switched the rules, and the, after the lockout, when they changed it to where it was no two days, when we still had yeah. two a days in Dallas, it was like literally some two days the vets wouldn't have to come. It would be only for the uh, mm. them them fledgling. If you if you were third fourth on the death chart, you had to come to this practice. And that, that practice was all for us. And like I said, I appreciate it because, like you said, now I get the spotlight. Now I'm getting I'm getting three reps with the, with the two offensive lines. You know what I mean? Yeah. So let me show what I can do. But uh, when I was with New Orleans, like I said, we competed heavy. That was one of the reasons I signed with New Orleans as well. They had Pierre Thomas, who was an undrafted free agent running back. We had Lance Moore, who was an undrafted free agent uh, receiver. So as much as uh-huh. guys rested on their laurels that were getting paid, you still had to compete because Coach didn't have a problem signing somebody that was undrafted. Because he, you know, he was one of the lockout guys back in the 80s. He was, he was one of the scabs that played. So, you know, he let everybody compete. If you showed up and you competed, he'd get you a job. So
1: that that was one of the reasons I signed with the Saints out the gate.
2: Huh. Yeah. Guess it he right. was the
1: same way. You know, <laughs> you out, out there competing, he's going to let you sign you. hmm. Yeah,
2: Go ahead, Chris. Good so so let me ask you this. Of the three teams you played for, which which team did you would you have preferred to play with or or, or did you feel was a better fit for you um as as a as a running back?
3: Uh you know what? With Tennessee I would say I didn't like it because everywhere else they, they let everybody play. In Dallas they had uh to show our choice, Mary and Barbara, Phoenix Jones, everybody got to play. In New Orleans, Mike Bell, Reggie Bush, Pierre Thomas, everybody got to play. We were super – we had Chris Johnson, and it was C.J. or Bush. Like, the only time C.J. would come out was on legit third and long, third and passing situations they would let people play. But besides that, they they really didn't switch it up because C.J. was a home run guy, so it could be first down and 10 or third and 20, and C.J. could go 80. So I understood it. I just thought that we could have been a better team if you let us all play. But uh, in those other systems, I felt like those were good fits because the backs didn't get beat up and you had plays for specific skill sets. Even though everybody could do everything, you couldn't go out there and not be able to catch. But you would have a, a, a play-call sheet when Reggie was in the game, a play-call sheet when uh, Pierre Thomas was in the game, a play-call play list for when Felix Jones was in the game. And, you know, that, like I said, that diversified the team and it gave everybody an opportunity to just to to produce. To be a part of the game plan, to, to go out
1: there and make something happen. You know, we got to take another break, but when we come back, uh, we still got more questions. When we come back, I'm still about that cowboy. I'm thinking about, man. <laughs> 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 we'll be right back.
0: <laughs> Your internet flagship station for sports some
4: dot TV.
0: James Loving and his guests want to hear it from you. Call us at 1-888-346-9144. That's 888-346-9144. Or drop an email to talk at yahoo.com. Now, back to the show. This is James Love Your host for Loving That Sports Talk. And co-hosting Chris, you there, Chris? Uh, I'm here, James. And we got our guest.
1: Mr. former NFL player, Herb, you there, Herb? Yes, sir. Herb, I got a quick question for you. When you was in camp, did you have a problem with veterans helping you with your plays or anything, or, or whether the people was trying to make the team with you you had a problem with? Because I was in camp with Philly, and I, I don't know how they had camp with y'all, but it was four of us in the room, and, um, you know, most of the guys were the ones that they had signed or, you know, free agent or and I'm number one receiver before Russell and I forgot to play on the field, and he told me it was the wrong play. And I'm like, oh, this is a doggy dog world. This guy don't want me to make it. Did you have any problems with that?
3: No, you know what? I never ran into that. I was always in some really good running back rooms. And even mm-hmm. when uh, after my first year, I remember helping out the undrafted guys. I was never really uh, – uh, I definitely wasn't hating on nobody else doing it. But, uh, yeah, the fact that I came into a room where everybody supported each other and helped each other that kind of paved the way for how I acted with uh with when I was a little older in the game. So my first year I had uh me and Mike Bell was real cool. Reggie was a good guy too, but I like after practice I'll go hang out with Mike type deal. But uh when we was at practice, Reggie wouldn't have a problem, Pierre wouldn't have a problem telling me how to do this or why we doing this or this is the check for that. So I, I never ran into a vet not wanting to help.
2: That's good. Oh. Interesting, yeah. I, I remember you telling the story, James, about how the guy told you the wrong play, and they're all looking at you going, what are you doing, loving? <laughs> yeah, so... Made <laughs> you look bad, so... All right, uh, so Tom Tom Coughlin is back, you know, with the Jacksonville Jaguars. That's where he originally, when Jacksonville first came mm-hmm. out, you know, he he was with their team. And so he's there with the, as Executive VP of uh, Football Operations. However... He's at practice walking the sidelines, and, and the players refer to him as coach. So do, Doug Maroney is the head coach, and he's okay with Coughlin working over his shoulder. However, you know, as, as the season starts, all this might change. How, how, how would you view it as a player?
3: Well, you know what? I, I, I'm not sure. Do, do they have a GM, or is this his fancy title pretty much making him a GM?
2: You know, I'm not sure if they do have a GM. James, do you know? I didn't, I mean, I didn't that's, look into that. That's,
3: from what I don't I heard know. got Yeah, I think that he was kind of signing off on the player. Like, he was picking, he was shopping for the groceries, Malone's coaching. So, mm-hmm. I mean, if that's the case, and, you know, he's a former coach in Jacksonville, he's a Super Bowl champion coach, you know, that's, that's going to be natural for players to call him coach, but I wouldn't be, if I was the coach, I wouldn't feel, you know, any type of way, but. The fact that he has been successful, the fact he has two Super Bowls, he the one that he's the guy that can beat the the damn Patriots. You gotta respect that. So, you know. I, I think that he's building that team a lot like he had down there. He got a now he's got Fournette to be his pretty team. And their defense they, they got some talent on that side of the ball now, so it looks a lot like them Giants teams that were successful in the two thousands.
2: True. It'll be it'll be interesting. I mean Jacksonville's been, been hurting for <laughs> A few years, yeah. and, you know, and this, this and they ain't a the to
3: bounce back because you never know.
1: But you know right. what hurts? They gotta, uh, they gotta give up on that quarterback. He's not the one for them. Been too many yeah, years. You agree
3: with that? It's tough to give up on him. What was he? The number three pick?
1: I think yeah. so. And
3: yeah, that's. I think you at least play it out. But did, they gave him. I want to say that they gave him the five year. Right? They gave him. They they picked up his fifth year. Yeah. yeah. So. Yeah, I think that, you know what, you let him play, and this, this being conference first year, let him play. If he doesn't look like he the answer, hey, hey, that's somebody else's draft here. You can get rid of him. So.
1: <laughs> <laughs> right, yeah, gonna sure.
3: This is going to be his
2: sink or swim year. No, oh, we got a couple of years left with him then, but you know who who knows? I mean, maybe maybe Coughlin he's done magic with other with uh, the Giants. Maybe he can work magic on what, Jacksonville.
3: I, I can't I can't name a, a offensive lineman. Like I know they got a really good defense. They they made some really big signings, but I can't name one of their offensive linemen. I think that's as big an issue with Bortles as anything because they got some skill players even before they drafted Fournette, They had some. They had Chris Ivory. They had the guy out of Alabama. So they they had some good skill players. They got the two Allens at wide receiver. They signed the the tight end from Denver that went to the Super Bowl. So I think that it's more so getting somebody to keep him upright. I think
1: that, that that helps any quarterback, of course, but especially some a uh, young quarterback. Yeah, but if you heard most of his yardage is at the game because they thrown off. Yeah, definitely. And
3: that, and that and that he's a he's a fantasy guy. Like he'll get you some good fantasy yards, but they're not winning no games. And that's always, like you said, because they down and they're heaving it in the fourth quarter. So I, mean, I, I think that if you, when it's a pass, because
1: you're down 21 points. You're right. There's, okay, there's,
3: there's
2: actually a lot of uh, fantasy quarterbacks out there. You, know, you just need to to know who has a good receiving core mm-hmm. good enough. Um, but yeah, Bortles, I, 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 I've never had Bortles, but I had, I've had his, his number one receiver last year. Okay. He got me a lot of points. I've I literally never played fantasy football—not one time. Yeah, yeah, I've I've been doing fantasy football now for fifteen some years. I I love it, and part of it is is yes, I I live out here in Colorado, so we have the Broncos to see. But when you're in fantasy football, you know you you're watching a lot of different teams, different games, paying attention to what's happening, not just one not just one game.
3: But well, you know what I do? I've never played fantasy but I would uh play I would play the parlay at my barber shop. So you put in five bucks on, on six games and you can win a bunch of money because it's you know, six games and they all got a cover and all of that. That has been more entertaining to me since uh since I've been away from For football. Oh, just yeah. playing fantasy. Yeah, five dollars I think if you pick six games at five dollars you win like one eighty. So <laughs> you can't beat the, it, Yeah, it's literally, yeah, literally I think I won bad. like one week. I did, I did,
1: like, mm, seven, five years ago, I did a, hit a 10-teamer for 10 Gs. That was a smoke <laughs> I would did. Wow. Yeah, a 10-teamer, that's you know, hard I, to do. Yeah, no, that's... That simple, would be tough. I said,
3: that's six. I've I won with six teams one time. Wow. wow. I almost won last year, and I was, I was furious. I'm down to every – all five teams have covered, and I'm watching Carolina play the Rams in L.A. And inexplicably, Jeff Fisher goes for two. It was like no way they could win the game. It didn't matter if they got a field goal, touchdown, a touchdown and two points, they still lose. And he goes for two and gets it and blows my poilet.
2: I was <laughs> <laughs> you didn't make. You didn't make the <laughs> – Oh no! All That's right. So the, the the last question I want to talk about is Jay Cutler. So he was he had been cut by the Chicago Bears, and he was going to go on and start his broadcast career. However, Miami, Miami Miami Dolphins needed another quarterback when Tannehill became injured. So first, do you think Cutler will be a good fit for the Dolphins? That's the first first part. The second, will Cutler be able to make a better impact with the Dolphins than he did with the Bears? Uh,
3: I think he'll be a good fit because he, he had a successful season with Gay. He knows the system.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: And, I mean, you know, honestly, what I take as the biggest shot, to be honest, is if I'm that more, I feel some type of way. You gave a guy that was not working out, did not want to play football, got another job, you gave him $10 million to do what I've been here since day one doing. So that that, that would be my – that's where they need to really, like, kind of smooth over in the locker room because I'm sure it's people that's look because from what I heard, and this is a while ago, but I just heard people just didn't like Jay. Like, Cutler was not a favorite guy in the locker room. So I don't know how that's going to translate to their culture, if the receiver's going to feel some type of way or anything like that. Or maybe he'll be a totally different guy because now he's in South Beach and not Denver or Chicago. But, uh, like I said, he knows the system. He was successful under that coach. The one thing that that is of note is that he had just as good, if not better, receivers in Chicago and Brandon Marshall and uh, Alshon Jeffries. So, if that was his feeling in Chicago and they didn't make the playoffs, I don't know how much better you get by giving him $10 million instead of riding it out with Matt Moore, who's been here working with the receivers and knows the system as well. So... <laughs> <laughs>
1: I'm gonna stay away from that. One. I'm glad you said that though, Herb. I tell you what Cutler is. I don't know why they gave him that money and brought yeah, I don't understand that one. It's literally
3: it's literally just happened because I love Kerry Collins, but Kerry Collins was he was just, you know, older and chilling and when uh when Peyton Manning had that neck surgery, they gave him like twelve million dollars and he only played yeah. like four and this is it, it, it's like a mirror image. The Jay Cutler to Miami, Kerry Collins to uh Indianapolis. Oh God knows the system. And does he want to be there? Is he really trying to make your team a Super Bowl contender? I don't know. So, but he definitely wow. casting checks on Tuesday.
2: <laughs>
1: well, true. They my well uh,
3: gave it to Captain right, Herb. You know what? I think that that's the one thing because they they needed a they needed a starter pretty much of. Like I said, I would feel some type of way if I was Matt Moore because they don't feel like he can compete. He can't be that starter. That's why they signed him. And with other Kaepernick issues, it was more so like well, he can hold a clipboard for somebody. It, it's not too many teams with a better second stringer than, than Kaepernick. So, I think that with, with Miami, it's not as big a deal because the head coach took somebody that he had previously coached. You know what I mean? So, that's that's why I feel like, oh well, you can't you can't make a big deal about that because one, they looking for a starter. Two, he knows the system, and we two weeks in the camp already. So wherever camper Nick goes, he's gonna have to learn a new system in two weeks. You know what I mean? So right. But well, yeah, we I at the did, end of the I show. I, well, I want
1: to thank you again, Herb,
3: and like I said, oh, you I'm call it any week, be on the
1: show. We would love to have you.
3: Yeah. No problem. I appreciate you guys giving me the opportunity.
1: Absolutely. But thanks for taking the time out. And um, you can leave that cowboy stuff somewhere else. <laughs> 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 thanks, thanks again, Herb. <laughs> no problem. You guys have a good have a good time. week,
2: Herb. Take care. Uh, bye.
0: Bye.